Hello and welcome to Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. Note, no episode title or uh, number with this one. This is because it's the very first of our sort of special spin-offs that we promised we would do. Um, and this first one's going to be a 40k special, um, so it's going to be pure 40, 40k, so apologies for anyone that's li- <laughs> wanting to hear about Age of Sigmar, because unfortunately we're not going to talk about it in this one, but we will in future episodes. Um, as obviously, of course... I've got uh, my uh, brother from another mother, Cameron. How are you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm doing all right, thank you. Good. Excellent. Glad to hear it. But just because it's, you know, it's the first one of these specials, we thought, let's have a guest on as well. So welcome to the show. Dan, how are you doing, sir? I'm very well, thank you, guys. Excellent. Glad to have you. Um, so basically, Dan uh, contacted ourselves uh, well, quite a little while ago now, wasn't it? A month or two ago, I think. We, you and I spoke. Um, yeah, I think uh, schedules are very complicated. <laughs> yeah, as always, <laughs> part of being an adult. Um, so yeah, so basically, Dan uh, contacted us saying, you know, you'd love to be on the show, and obviously we're like, yes, please, because um, it's we're a bit lonely when it's just me and Cameron, um, <laughs> even though we got plenty to talk about. Um, so yeah, we decided to have um, a forty k only show and the three of us three of us are just going to have a just a general chat really um it's, so it's not gonna have the the usual sort of format as the usual show with like you know law and discussion topics even though we will go into the law it's just more of a you know let's just talk 40k for you know an hour or so and hopefully you guys will enjoy it so um so dan um before we get into that sort of stuff um do you want to sort of just briefly explain how you got into 40k you know what's your sort of general background in it well, I've been um, I've been into the hobby for about twenty years, mm. and uh, I was recruited in the late nineties uh, in a GW store. They uh, they used to focus a lot more on recruiting players back then. They had you know uh, more tables to play on, more staff, uh, and you know when you're a, when you're like a ten year old child and you walk in and you see these amazing figurines, and then someone tells you. There's a game that goes with it. I think that's what it takes. <laughs> and um, I think um, I think my kind of 40k life is similar to a lot of people's. Where when I was a child, it would depend on my parents to buy me models. So yep. they were few and far between. This is a very expensive hobby. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, but now, as an adult with my own disposable income, I can uh, I can lavish myself with all the plastic <laughs> that I uh, that I desire. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so I feel that I've actually built up a lot more in the last few years than I did over the past, let's say, uh, ten before that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, I, I think you're right that from for most of us, we got in at well certain editions. I mean, I got in at second edition. What was yours, Cameron? Um, I can't remember. End, end of fourth, start of fifth. Like I, I right, watched the of- switch from Battle from a Crag to Dark Vengeance. Oh, yeah, 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 got it. Um, um, so Dan, were you were you second edition then or first? I think um, I think I was end of second, beginning of third edition, right? Or it may have been uh, end of third, beginning of fourth. Um, I, I remember chaos was very dominant mm. at the time when I started playing. <laughs> yeah. so this could be <laughs> that could be an indication of what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so did you actually when you were? Do you actually work in a, just a normal everyday GW store? Did you were you sort of just a general sort of assistant or whatever they were classed at that then? I can't remember now. Oh no! I I never worked in GW. I just uh, I just happened to walk in and see it. Oh right. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing is, let's be honest. When you're actually there, especially well, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I always find that especially when you get into your local store or a local store, is you 
you end up almost, you know, if you're one of the faces, you end up becoming almost like a staff member, which <laughs> you know, where you end up sort of giving advice to well, people and things like that. Mm. Yeah, just by just by being there, just by playing the game, and just by showing off your army, you are basically a walking, talking advert yeah. for the hobby. <laughs> and, uh, Aren't we just? I think uh, I think people, um, but that's that's what people want to see. Well, they yeah. want to go into a store. They want to see a community. They want to see people having fun. Mm. And uh, I think now in the age of uh, the internet, more and more games are online based. Everyone's anonymous. Everyone is rude. And I think. <laughs> Board games in this hobby, I think this this is why they're coming back. I think you know it's a face to face, enjoyable time with friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that's a very good point actually. Because like, well, like like me and Cameron definitely we're proper video gamers as well. And yeah, it's unfortunately it's just becoming a very toxic community. Not everyone, obviously, but there's a lot of toxicity over there. And I think that you know certain people are getting a bit sick of that now and that's why like you said i think that people are gravitating to board games and war gaming a bit more now they are making a massive resurgence mm, and i think yeah. it's coming down to the fact that people also want a bit more value for their money because yeah you're right it is a very expensive hobby it always has been and let's be honest it's always going to be but the bottom line is like if you compare it to video games video games we feel for a lot with a lot of them anyway you're getting less and less for your money you know everything's got add-ons everything's got dlc everything's Absolutely. microtransactions whereas at least this you know hobby okay yeah let's say you let's say you buy a starter set or something like that you know it's it's not cheap in the grand scheme of things you could be laying down you know 70 to 100 pounds depending on what you get but mm. you're getting a lot for your money yeah and you've got those forever in a in a in a sense because at least with a video game you may oh, i've completed it I'll trade it, sell it, you know, whatever you want to do. Whereas with this, and, and the good thing is because you're going from edition to edition, you you can often keep them. You know, they're often relevant for years mm. and years. And that's, the, you know, so it's almost like a bit of an investment, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, what I like about it as well is that as long as if your models are, are well painted or even unpainted, mm. they can be resold for basically what you paid for them uh, quite easily. So... It's never it's never dead money or money you can convert back, you know, into yeah. Uh, yeah. into cash if yeah. you wanted to. Yeah, definitely. Um, can you remember what your first model was, Ooh. or roughly? <laughs> um, I think my first model was uh, an easy to build uh, Snapfit Black Templar Marine. Ah, <laughs> nice. So second edition, I'm hearing. I think when uh, when I was ten <laughs> and I saw these uh, these space marines like fighting orcs, and mm. that's, what, <laughs> that's what captures a lot of people. Um. <laughs> well, that's the yeah, that's the thing is everyone mostly generally starts with the space marines because I, I know that's often the GW way that you know they deliberately made easy to build. Mm. Well, if you remember, think about the marines years ago, like when I when we all first started. They, they I remember them being literally three parts, weren't they? You, you had the base <laughs> yeah, marine right. with the the holes where the hands should be and then obviously you have the other part which is a bolter with two hands at the bottom and then and then obviously the backpack and well and obviously the base as well yeah and yeah. you know it they were it felt like a, a dream putting those together whereas you know look at them now how much more complicated they are i know you've got obviously they're still the easy to build but like you know just think of when you buy a typical mm. you know tactical squad or something like that, you know the posability is just it's it's got such a uh, to have a different level um it's like we were a few of us were talking on our Discord a couple, uh, I think it was night before last, where uh, me and Adrian on there were sort of basically saying that um, we're lucky now. For us of 
of our age where we're sort of you know late 20s mm. um, not you Cameron I know you're not no, there yet I'm not quite um, there. <laughs> <laughs> you're still a young and um, but you know the rest of us that sort of you know 30s 40s and things like that it, it it's like for 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 younger people that are now getting into the hobby, it's it's a must, it's an absolute dream for them. Just think of if we had had that situation when we were that that age, you know. Whereas you you didn't, you know. Whereas now you've got the painting is much more streamlined. You know, it's more this is the paint you need. Yeah, you know, crack on. Yeah. This is how you get to that. Whereas you know, back in the day, it wasn't as so easy to have that sort of thing. <laughs> so it's amazing how much it's come on. Yeah, no, it's fantastic now. I mean. The community feels so alive now, which mm. is mm. which is very mm. important, and also the releases of Games Workshop, like the weekly releases, yeah, they're constant, just build up so much excitement. <laughs> it's ridiculous, and the quality of the models is better than it's ever been, and uh, even now, even if you even if you really couldn't paint, there's widely available like commission services now mm. to get yep. your models painted if you wanted to. Yeah, so it's. Uh, so it's so accessible and so much quicker to get into it now than it ever used to be. Exactly, and I think it's helped obviously with the the social media presence of GW as well. Particularly, you know, they've got to the point now where okay, they're not perfect, but they they've upped their game so much now. Like you said, you've got you know the YouTube channel with you know Warhammer TV where um um what's his name? What's the main guy on Duncan. on there? I can't remember. Duncan, that's it. Yeah. So, you know, where Duncan... Duncan yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> bloody names, I never remember. Um, the, where Duncan's, there, you know, showing you, you know, within a couple of minutes, you can literally have it from, you know, basic to, you know, to tabletop. And it, it's such a great way of doing it. I mean, I know, obviously, there's a reason for it, They because they want to make it as easy as possible, because let's be honest, it means you spend more and you get more. But, you know, it's win-win, really, because it makes it easier to get into the hobby now than ever before. Um, apart from the barrier of money, because like, like you said, Cameron, is that they're always constantly releasing stuff now, yeah. which obviously makes yeah. our bank balances uh, uh, sigh a bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, no, it's, it's a great time to be in the hobby. Um, yeah, Dan, I was going to ask as well. What's, so what's your um, favourite faction of all in 40k? Well, this might be boring to uh, some people, but my favorite faction is actually the uh, Ultramarine Space Marines. Um, okay. All right, yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, people say, oh, they're boring, they're vanilla, you know, they're flavorless. But the way I see it, they don't need a gimmick. They don't need to be vampires or werewolves. They don't need to be <laughs> secretive or or have a fetish for bikes. You know, they... Uh, <laughs> They're just professional soldiers uh, that are wow. that are ruled by uh, they they kind of they're dictated by logic and kind of common sense as opposed to pride or a flaw mm-hmm. or a dark secret they have to keep and um, I think that in a setting where everything is so horrible, I think it's nice to have a, a professional army that comes from a from a well-run system where people have a comparatively good life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fair point, and you're right. I think they don't get as much. Well, they do get love, but they get they're an easy one to target at times, aren't they? They're they're sort of you get it with other sort of things where it's you know let's be honest, it's like people again going back to like things like video games where people say, oh, I really like Call of Duty, and it's for a lot of people they can go, oh, Call of Duty, yeah, good, you know, it's all. But at the end of the day, the like I said, the Ultramarines have still got a lot of history behind them. You know, they're, they're deliberately at the forefront. I mean, putting aside anything 
like that is they some of their miniatures and their color schemes and you know the whole roman theme they've got to them they can look gorgeous some of their models oh, yeah, as absolutely. much as any other I think what people find most annoying is they're on the cover of every box. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so they don't actually have that many unique kits. Uh, hmm. You know, like Blood Angels, Dark Angels, they have a lot more specific models. But every like every generic like Terminator unit or Space Marine or Scout will have hmm. an Ultramarine on the cover. And I think I think that's that's the poster boy thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's what people don't like. But um, no, I think uh, I think they. They can be made to look amazing, and the, and the Roman scheme, mm. uh, the Roman mm. sorry, uh, influenced uh, styling, I think, can be made to look very, very good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Cameron, if I ask you what your favourite faction is, I can't remember if we've ever done um, that before. I don't think we've actually done it. No, uh, and I don't no. have a hard. What's answer. your favourite faction in forty k? I, I don't think I have a hard <laughs> answer. Um, I'm always going to have a giant soft spot for Tyranids and related armies, Gene Steeler Colts, etc., uh, because that's where I started in the hobby. Um, but I really like mm-hmm. Dark Angels and their successes, things like that. And then, yep. you know, Death Guard, uh, my current thing, 40k, obviously. Um, I've not <laughs> shut up about them for the last three months. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ever since I started them. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to, it's hard to really pick at the moment what faction I like the best in 40k. Um, oh, look deep within your heart. Uh, oh, no, it's too <laughs> difficult. Uh, it's one of those no, three. It's, fine. it's one of those three. It's Dark okay. Angels. Gene Steeler Cult slash Tinnerids or uh, Death Guard. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair enough. I mean, but that's the beauty of it. There's so, there's so much choice, even within a faction. That's the mm. one thing that's always astounded me over the years is, you know, okay, let's say you like Marines. Yes, for a lot of people that are oh, boring Marines, but, but there's so much variety amongst them that... You know, you especially the fact you've got the ability to make your own custom chapters and your own sort of homebrew rules behind them. That, mm. and let's be honest, they yes, they are the ones in a lot of the law. They're in a lot of the books. You know, there's always Marines, well, not always, but most of the time. But they're so they're so fleshed out compared to a lot of it. They that to me, it never gets boring. It's like um, recently I've started reading um, about the um, Carcadons. You know, the mm. the um, Space, space sharks, sharks. chapter yeah, yeah. um just oh yeah yeah just just because uh, just uh, because i'm actually started reading um uh one of the, their books and i just thought oh let's let's get into them they're not a chapter i'm particularly familiar with and they're fascinating they're, they're you know they're they're a relatively you know down the bottom chapter they're not you know obviously at the forefront like some of the other ones are but they you know the fact that they they're on they've got no particular home world they're you know a fleet-based uh chapter like a lot of them um the fact that they've been banished from their home world for a, re- a relatively unknown reason. Their main mission is to basically hunt down the enemies of man uh, and mankind, which I know that covers a lot of chapters, but <laughs> they basically, they're, they're wandering around space, turning up at sort of out of the blue, a bit like the Legion of the Damned. Um, but they've got the, the, they're sort of a combination of the Raven Guard, as in that's the, that's their suspected, um, chapter that they were successors from um because it was there was a basically it could have been the alpha not alpha legion um night lords yeah. or the um raven guard and i think it's been clarified that it's pretty much the raven guard but so they're so they've got the sneakiness but then when they get stuck into battle they're like world eaters they're literally mm. bloodthirsty marines um and it, it's just things like that and the fact that they most of their armor is heresy 
era armor because because they're they're scavengers because they have to be because they're constantly mm. moving they're basically on a mission to to basically get back to their to their homeland because they've been banished but no one knows why so they're basically just going around like a shark you know getting in killing taking what they need disappearing and i was thinking that's just a great again yes it's another marine chapter but that's a really fascinating chapter you know this i mean i'm only giving you the bare bones there's more to it than that but you know i just think that that even in one faction which can can be considered boring for for a lot of people there's so much variety there and i think that's I love the space sharks. I think I think some of the Forge World chapters have some of the best lore of any of the uh, yeah. any of the uh, Warhammer arms. Yes. And you mentioned you mentioned the uh, the Caradons. Um, they operate beyond the bounds of the Imperium, mm-hmm. beyond the Astronomicon. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they save a planet from, let's say, Xenos, they'll kidnap huge portions of the populations to replenish their ranks. And I think they have. Uh, they have absolutely fascinating, uh, fascinating stories behind them, and it's it's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and for a lot of people, they may not be familiar with them. They, you know, that's the the the, the universe mm. is so rich with stuff. You, you may not just, you know, it depends obviously how long you've been in the hobby, but you you can so easily not know about these little chapters or little factions, and then when and sometimes they can end up being potentially more interesting than some of the mainstream ones um to a degree and and like i said they're a perfect you know example of it um you know it's like for anyone that's not ever really gone into the background of the dark angels because again they're you know a very fascinating chapter um especially when you get into obviously their very um (laughs) dodgy background in some ways and obviously with the fallen things like that it's it's amazing what you can like little bits of you know law you can find out it's and you know and that's just one chap you know sorry one chapter within one faction and just think how many more factions there are to you know to get into it's absolutely yeah. amazing yeah um <clears throat> i was gonna say right um okay so what's you dan what's your least favorite faction <laughs> that's um that's quite difficult mm. uh oh let me think about this mm. <laughs> put you on the spot i i don't know if there's genuinely somebody i don't like i think mm-hmm. probably uh, i think probably chaos marines might be my least favorite right? oh okay um because no i'll take that back tau's my least favorite <laughs> oh no not the tau <laughs> <laughs> but but what's uh what i'll say is that i think how much you like a faction as well mm. a, a large part of that is based on the models. Oh, yeah. And, yes, uh, definitely. Tau have amazing models. But you asked me before which one my favourite is. Hmm. But it's very, very hard to stick to that choice with the new Imperial Knights coming out. <laughs> uh, with, <laughs> very true. Because, because I look at some of these new models and I think, this this could mm. be my favourite faction. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Absolutely. It's you know it's like it's like picking what's your what's your favorite child if if you've got kids it's like they're all they're all my favorite and and but it but it does change over the years let's, let's be honest you the, the how things go well I, again this is what happens with me you'll be looking at a particular faction you think oh yeah they're all right I don't mind them and then all it takes is one new model or miniature to come out and you're like wow okay <laughs> and then you st- you suddenly start seeing them in a different light. And yeah, that happened to me when I saw Celestine, mm. uh, when the, the new model came mm. out in Gathering Storm. Yeah. I had never paid attention to Sisters of Battle because mm. the models, I think, are just grotesque. They look like <laughs> uh, misshapen dwarf women to me. Um, but, uh, They're very old but, and very but Celestine small. Is, yeah. um, <laughs> Celestine looks incredible, and the proportions are just right, and she looks like elegant and powerful. 
And I think if when the Sisters of Battle uh, get a new range of models, I think this could be something I jump into because mm. it's um, they could they could be amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely, definitely. absolutely. I mean, you, are you interested? Are you interested in them when they come out? Uh, I will be. Yeah, mm. I think. Um, I mean, the the law behind them is is brilliant already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've got great stories attached to them. And I think it's just the model line that lets them down. And I don't want to work with metal models. I don't want to transport them around. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So when um, when the new plastic models come out, uh, there's real potential there. Things like the Penitent Engine, mm. very unique looking kits, like very strange and very grim dark. And I think uh, if they're remade with new plastics with better details, they could be absolutely stunning. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, exciting times. Come, 2019 can't come any quicker for a lot of people. Oh, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, what about you, Cameron? What's your least favourite faction, would you say? Oh, my least favourite 40k faction. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> this is a difficult one. <laughs> um, it might also be Tau. I'm not sure. Uh, oh. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to pick on them or anything, you know, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's what's what's funny is um mm. i've been thinking about this as we've just been talking and i think tau definitely is my least favorite and <laughs> right. the, the reason the reason for this is um how they changed the game in sixth edition so uh, so tower to tower basically to blame for the creation of the death star that ultimately made sixth and seventh edition unplayable mm-hmm. uh I remember the first time I played Tau when they got the new codex back in 6th edition. I, I was running like a, a very generic Space Marine army, you know, some Terminators, um, some uh, a Land Raider, whatnot. Mm. And I remember dropping the Terminators into uh, uh, next to a Riptide uh, via Deep Strike, and it just killed them on my turn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got I got shot on the enemy turn on my own turn, and then when I uh, when I tried to charge in as well, and they completely they they had so much firepower, it was so broken when they first came out that the game had to change, list mm. had to change just so they can play against them. And I never quite forgave them for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's well. a, a bitter <laughs> memory. <laughs> yeah, um, I th- I think for me it's they are the least developed in terms of how they actually interact with the fluff as a whole like there, there are things about the Tau i adore um i think my favorite is the is the piece of fiction where they killed a space marine chapter master and believed that they had killed the king of the space marines uh, yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> of all space marines everywhere um yeah they're, they're just like every other force is this big player in the galactic book and the tower just sitting down in this little corner of the galaxy going we'll get there Eventually, we've just worked out warp travel, uh, so we'll see how we go, I guess. Um, like, and I like their models the least out of the current 40k ones. Like, I still really like a lot of them. Like, their suits look great. I really love the Fire Warriors, but the aesthetic just doesn't grab me on the whole, and they just, yeah, they just don't have the same scope as the other factions, I think is what does it for me in, I still really like them. I just, I like them less. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. Like I said, that's why I said I deliberately made it least favorite, as opposed yeah. to what's the what's the yeah. faction we all hate. <laughs> to put a positive spin on it. Um, One thing I'll say about the Tau now: mm. um, in the latest Codex, uh, they actually got some very interesting new uh, fluff behind them. Yeah. So some of them got lost in the warp, and when they came out, they were changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I would love for them to build upon this. Yeah, yeah. And I love, um, I love the far side enclave that yeah. it seems that when the Ethereals were removed, uh, the control of the Tau was kind of lost and they wanted to separate. Mm. And I think generally they can be seen as pretty one-dimensional, this like greater good-focused uh, yeah, society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's hints in there that there's something more sinister. Mm. That there might be more division than it first appears to be. Yeah. So if they build up on these elements, I think I would actually like them a lot more. It would yeah. make for a much more interesting story about them as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I I don't disagree with that because I mean I've 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 started a, a Tower Army myself, and I, I must admit I'm quite I like Tower. I've always <laughs> had a sort of soft spot for them, um, but I don't take it personally. Don't worry, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I I can understand why people. Uh, have that view on them because like you said they aren't as fleshed out as some of the others uh, but then uh, ultimately they're still relatively newcomers compared to obviously a lot of the older uh, factions um i like you i just hope that they go from being naive to having something a bit more to them because like i said their naivety was was fun when they first came out and like like you said cameron with the uh, the the chapter master story and and <laughs> things like that and obviously how they like when they met tyranids for the first time and all that sort of stuff but <laughs> it it it's you know it needs to go beyond that now because they know they're part of a bigger you know bigger uh, galaxy and universe now so they need to be put up to now from a law perspective anyway they need to be put up to a different level i feel um similar to what you guys have said they need uh, just that sort of next step really they need to be have that sinister side to them and i and it, it like you said dan they do get sort of slight hints to them i, I mean i recently read uh, blades of damocles um where they're it's Tau versus uh, Ultramarines, um, space marine battles story, um, and it's and you see it from obviously both perspectives, and um, it was really good actually. It was deceptively good because you see a side of the Tau where, like for example, Farsight's in it, so is um, Commander Shadow Sun as well. But Farsight, obviously, you know, is is being how you would imagine. He's taking the lead. He's trying to save his people, but then he's having parts of, um, especially the Ethereals, where they're trying to bring him down at the same time. Like, for example, where the, you know, obviously their caste system, the, you know, the uh, water, earth and fire caste, they're very, you know, stringent with it. And because obviously technically he's part of the fire caste, but obviously he's, because he's now such a an impeccable taube in general, he's starting to exhibit things from the other casts and because of that they're sort of saying hang on a minute you you're part of the fire cast remember you know and and they're almost like they're trying to f- in even though it should be celebrated that he's he's becoming so well-rounded there's certain tau that are trying to like I said trying to get him in trouble for doing that and mm. and that's it's good to see the tower like that they're not you know they, they've got that infighting in them as well as any other race that they're not as you know, goody two shoes as they, you know, could possibly be. Um, and like I said, I think with the far side enclaves, they, they've started to show that the fact that, that you know, a faction, part of them has just literally, you know, gone off on itself again, right? We don't part of you now. We're going to have our own little mini empire over here. Um, it's a good thing for the tower. It's just, I think it just needs to be ramped up even more. And I think, unfortunately, with eighth edition, you know like so they've hinted at it but i don't think they've pushed it as far as they could have done i think in a way they could have completely especially with um dark imperium they could have really put them to a next level and i think they've not i wouldn't say they've bottled it but i think they've not pushed them on as enough unfortunately but you know there's always there's always ninth edition (laughs) (laughs) uh right okay let's have a look right what should we next talk about so yeah we've done least favorite faction um 
uh, this is going to be a tough question for both of you. What would you? Oh, I direct it at Dan first. So, what is your favourite miniature in 40k over the years? Is it always a one that you know? Just I know that's a tough one, <laughs> but is there just one you know where you just no matter whenever you see it? I mean, it could be a recent one, it could be years ago. Is there always like that or one that means a lot? You know, when you see it, you're thinking, yes, I I always love that miniature, no matter you know, no matter how many times I see it. Is there one that stands out for you? There is one that stands out for me, actually. Okay. Um, my favourite model is actually the Forge World model for uh, Horus Lupercal, the, mm. um, the Primark. Oh, okay. And um, okay. that's the first Primark model that uh, I got. And uh, I painted them up, and I was quite happy with it. But uh, the model was so spectacular, I actually bought a second one wow. and sent it off to a, to a famed commission painter who, who delivered a, a piece of work which is way beyond my ability <laughs> and it stands proudly upon one of my shelves now at home um and i love this model and there's a story that ties to it quite well uh from uh, from the magos from the eisenhorn book called mm-hmm. the keeler image and if you look at the model he looks uh, he looks very heroic he looks very kind of bold and charismatic uh but that's obviously horus after he's actually turned to chaos mm. so in in the story which I which I'm referring to, there's a picture of Horace Lupercal uh, that's found by Eisenhorn in the 41st millennium, mm-hmm. and everyone's worried about this picture being seen because it shows Horace being kind of uh, jovial, charismatic. It's a it's an image of him kind of like talking to his men, and the message is that it's very very sad that somebody like that could turn to chaos. But the truth of the image was that it was taken after he fell. And the point is that you can't recognize heresy until it's too late. Mm. And I think, um, I think the model kind of captures that because he looks he looks heroic and brave, but he's standing upon the ruins of the Imperium Eagle. Um, and I think it's just a, it's a fantastic sculpt, a fantastic model. Excellent. That is a really good wow. choice, actually. I wasn't expecting that. As <laughs> <laughs> the choice. That's, I, I saw it at Warhammer World a couple of weeks ago, the one they got on display, and it, it is an mm. absolutely gorgeous. You know, yeah. I mean, the Primarchs yeah. are a bit hit and miss, I must admit, some of them. The ones, some of the sculpts are a bit, hmm. And I think we've said that on the show before, but yeah, Horus is, yeah, definitely one of the best. So no, that is a really good choice, actually. Um, how about yourself, Cameron? Um, I'm actually going to pick a Forge World model too, because I've been, Mm-hmm. racking my brains while Dan was talking and one model has always stood out <laughs> since I since I first ever saw it um and that is the Forge World Avatar of Cain uh which oh, okay. is yeah it first off it is a gorgeous model um and uh, how do I put this into words properly um it's not quite as deep as <laughs> Dan's probably but um <laughs> the the Elder faction as a whole if you look at their models um we're not talking about Dark Elder or Harlequins, obviously. They have a very sort of somber uniform tint. You know, they're wearing these smooth, curved armors. They have these smooth, curved vehicles. And there's nothing excessive, nothing standout, nothing sort of very primal or emotional about them. And then you look at the Forge World avatar, and it is this towering pillar of pure emotion and movement and dynamism compared to the rest of the Eldar range, which is static and old and stale. And um I guess if you really want to pull it further out, it is 
that contrast between them where, you know, the Eldar are meant to be a dying species and the Avatar is literally the incarnation of a dead god's fury and rage and emotion. And I feel that piece really perfectly encompasses that for me because especially if you put it up against other Eldar stuff, it is this massive change in contrast and really stands out. Also, it looks great if you paint it black with, like, the cracks or larvary. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good choice, actually. I mean, the, mm. like you said, Forge World stuff is just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, expensive, but oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no, that's, that, is, that is a really good choice, actually. Um, I think for myself, actually, I would pick the... I, was, I mean, uh, the, the original version of this model, mm. but the newer version can apply the same, is the Eversaur Assassin. Um, mm. I've always loved the Imperial Assassins. I think they're fantastic miniatures, and I, I've the always... The new one is brilliant, yeah. Yeah. It, the new, yeah, like I said, the new one is absolutely fantastic. I mean, the original was good, but this one is, like I said, different level, and especially the pose he's in. Um, I mean, I like all the Assassins, I think, for different reasons. I think mm. I, I got into them because uh i think when i originally collected them as a kid i there was a particular novel i read where the i to be honest i can't remember the name of it but the, i just love the background and the different complexities of the different assassins i like the fact like the vindicare will you know not move for days in a you know it could be in a tower ready just to make that killing shot or you know that's mm. taken literally days to to set up and and the eversaw i just i think i like the eversaw particularly because a it just let's be honest it just looks badass there's just it's just a fantastic <laughs> looking uh thing but i think it it sort of made me realize how grim dark the things are because obviously you know whether you believe the Imperium is good or bad, I know that's a, suggest- a subjective subject, but let's say that, you know, they're often considered the good guys, which, again, is not technically true. But, you know, this is a... You wouldn't put this sort of soldier or this type of thing on your on the side of that. It, you know, it's so horrifying with, it, you know, with his skull mask mm. and his, you know, his clawed hand and the fact that they're there to cause terror amongst the enemies. It sort of... I know... It, now in the lore and some of the newer miniatures, especially like you know, like even like the 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 Reaver uh, Primaris Marines, you know, with their skull masks and obviously some of the chaplains and things like that. So they've always been there, but I just wouldn't associate the good guys in quote marks having something like this and just having the ability to have that and it being okay. I just I just thought, wow, you know, I'm not everything is as as black and white as <laughs> <So> I, <laughs> I first thought, you know, as a uh, young Matt <laughs> was trying to get into things. And, and I just, like I said, I think all, all three of the main, I know I'm not so keen on the, um, uh, what's it called? The psycho was it? The Culex. Yeah. I'm yeah. not so keen on that one, if I'm being honest, uh-huh. but the other three, the Khaled, I, I, I don't dislike <laughs> it. I mean, they, they all look good. He's just got a, his head is just far too big for me. But um, the other three, um, even the Calidus one, is is absolutely spot on. But no, that's that's they've always got assassins have always got a soft soft spot in my heart. Yeah, very much. <laughs> uh, as um, I'll, before we move on to the rest, I'll just do our last mm-hmm. little favorite. Um, what's your favorite? Um, would, I was going to do favorite novel, um, or is there a particular story or novel that, you know, again, I'll miss it down first. You know, is there a particular one that, again, has always stood out to you? Think, oh, this was just such a good read, and it's just it made me love the hobby even more. I think um, I really enjoyed the Eisenhorn books and the mm-hmm. Ravenna novels mm. uh, because they they show you imperial life 
away from the front line. And uh, you, they visit planets which are not under attack. Yeah. They're not um, in ruins. They go to places where people have generally a nice life. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mention one planet looks like... Um, it's like uh, green hills with like chateaus upon them. Mm. Uh, so the Imperium isn't just grimy, dirty hab blocks and uh, and kind of factory worlds. They can be like beautiful planets and nice planets. Uh, so I really enjoyed those. Uh, more recently, I loved the devastation of Baal. That was a fantastic mm. story and um, and a really enjoyable to read. Yeah. Must get around to that one actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's same. on my shelf. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about you, Cameron? Is there anything that stood out to you? Um, I I also really like the Ravener and Eisenhorn books. Um, in particular, I really liked them because I read the Ravener series first and then read Eisenhorn. So I was basically doing the prequel series, and although I knew it was going to happen at some point, like reading about the Thracian atrocity and stuff like that, was very intense and. Heartbreaking away, like oh, that's what happened to Ravenna. That's why he's like that. Um, but I think before that, probably the Soul Drinkers books, um, mm. which was so long ago that I barely remember them now. But whenever I think about uh, 40k uh, novels that I've read, those always seem to come back to me. And I think it's just because when I read the books, I got really invested in the characters like you got to know this chapter and its leaders very 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 well and to watch this sort of slow gradual descent into chaos and then clawing back against that and doing their best to remain loyal to the imperium and you know eventually you know people get spider legs and stuff so they obviously fail um (laughs) (laughs) uh is was really sort of because i was fairly young at the time i was just getting into warhammer like really sort of broke the ice on what the setting was for me. Um, and I really need to go and reread those very soon. Um, <laughs> because I feel bad not being able to remember anything apart from the general arc of the plot because it's something that was so sort of important to me starting the hobby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair choice. I mean, uh, that probably sort of echoes mine really because I sort of, if I had to sort of think of sort of ones that I used to like back in the day and then ones sort of more more recent times. I think the one back in the day, I really loved the Grey Knights omnibus um, that came out. Again, similar to you, I can't really... It's so long ago <laughs> since I read them, I can't really remember what happened in them, so I feel bad for saying that. But I do always remember, like, and even now when I see, I think, oh, God, I must get around to um, rereading those because I remember they, they were just so... They just enveloped me so much. I mean, I, I even remember they were sort of something I used to read on the bus to wherever I was going and, and things like that, you know, just, oh, I can't wait to, you know, get stuck into this. And it, they, they were just always for me fantastic it really made me appreciate the gray knights i don't don't they've never been a faction i'd ever want to particularly um you know uh, use or collect mm. not for any particular reason i just never really taken to them on the on that side of things but i think the actual lore and and uh thing behind them is is always been spot on from my perspective um and i think in recent times uh, that's a tough one actually because i've read quite a few recently um i'm trying to think i must admit i've enjoyed the um the ones involved the um adeptus custodies recently so i've watched um, Mm. watched listened to um (laughs) like watchers of the throne and the carrion throne and they were actually very good actually gave me that was a good book yeah Yeah. it just (laughs) they just gave a, a perspective on the on 
that I wasn't expecting really, um, because obviously with the the custodies obviously back in the day when they were the legio custodies when they obviously part of the heresy or you know when they were around in the heresy days where you know you saw bits of them but you never truly sort of well i from what i've read never really truly understood what they ever did whereas now i think it's good to see them you know years on obviously they've been had many years of obviously being in mourning for, for the emperor so it's good to actually now see right they're back now you know what are they actually doing how do they compare to current day marines for example and you know and how they fit in and I, and i think what i've always loved about them and the fact that the novels sort of highlight this is the fact that they are there for to to find stuff out they're not just sim- well i was gonna say simple warriors they're not simple warriors but you know what i mean they're not just there for fighting they're there to investigate they're there to, you know and they're they're isolated in you know individuals that do their own thing and yeah i i like i said i really appreciated those novels uh after listening to them recently they're like i said if you have for anyone listening if you've not uh read or listened to them definitely give those two i must mm. admit i can't remember which one's which because <laughs> 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 they sort of blurred into one they sort of they do slightly overlap um yeah yeah i like the one with the sisters of silence in it that was mm. um that was a good one where it alternates between three characters it alternates between a custodies a sister of silence and um oh, i think it's one in the uh in in the ministorum i think yeah um that would have been something like that anyway of, but that would have been watchers of the throne because i think uh, it is Karen i think you're Freud right is inquisition yes yeah that's right yes <laughs> i think i've read them almost back to back so they in my mind they <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they blurred yeah. into one <laughs> that's part of getting older <laughs> Awesome. Right. Okay. So I think we've done our, uh, <laughs> what's our favorite and not favorite, but <laughs> we'll just do that for next hour. Um, no, we'll, we'll move on to, um, something that Dan suggested, um, where we sort of talk about sort of the current state and post dark Imperium. Um, so yeah, so I'll sort of hand it over to you, Dan, really what, you know, so what's your, you know, now we're in this current era of dark imperium what sort of what do you think or what would you hope to happen next you know where do you think things are going to go now from your perspective i think what's exciting about the setting at the moment is that it's moving forward finally mm-hmm. uh, now <laughs> i think they have to take small steps yes because the community is very um very easy to anger when it comes to <laughs> beloved yeah <laughs> when it comes to beloved law uh, that's been established for 20 years but the way i see it it's not just for the sake of new models a static setting uh, will get stale no matter what yeah uh, grim dark is an element of warhammer 40k mm-hmm. but it shouldn't be the only defining attribute yeah so this kind of regressive society where Everything is going backwards. There is absolutely no hope. This nihilistic existence. Uh, yes, it's great. Yes, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's a very striking setting, a very dystopian future, which which is so dark it really does stand apart from everything else. But if that's the only defining attribute, it will over time become stale. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to take small steps. Introducing new characters, returning characters, maybe some small advancements in technology here and there uh, through more heretical tech priests like uh, Belisarius Call. Um, and I think I think there is scope there for new models, new exciting adventures, uh, but it can still maintain 
uh, one makes 40k 40k mm-hmm. you still have this big battle between logic brought back by Gilliman and the superstition and religion from the ecclesiarchy uh, he recognizes for example that the church is not what the emperor intended yep. but yeah. it has really helped in keeping humanity going in mm-hmm. this uh, very very dark time um, so I think I think there's scope there for development, for change, for more drama. The only thing that I'm a bit worried about is if more and more... I mean, I want more Primarchs to come back. Yes. I want them to be equally numbered, let's say. You have four <laughs> Chaos Gods represented and you have maybe four brothers from the Loyalist side. Mm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what, what I don't want them to do is to just repeat the stories from the Horus Heresy. There is a risk <laughs> yeah. of that. Mm. Uh, this we don't want Horus Heresy Mark Two, you know, um, <laughs> but there is scope of very in- interesting dramas and stories here. Let's say, for example, the Lion comes back, mm-hmm. somebody who felt he should have been War Master in the first place. Yes, uh, somebody who doesn't care about the plight of the of the common man. Uh, you know, he he only cares about the bigger picture. Would um, would he cause Gilliman trouble? Would he recognize the, the dire straits they're in and maybe be his ally? Uh, we don't know. And that's what's so interesting about it. And these are very these are very developed characters that have books and books written about them, mm. which will be very interesting to see them interacting in the current 40K setting. And um, I'm really hoping that uh, it progresses even more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, sorry, Cameron. Oh yeah, um, I was just saying. Yeah, they should definitely keep bringing more Primarchs. When's Russ? You've announced. You've announced Space Wolves Codex. We know he's out there somewhere. Um, yes, but I want come back, Russ. Yeah, I want one or two really weird out there ones. I've expressed in the past that I want Jagatai Khan to be an Eldari unit, and I stand oh, yeah, by you that. Said that before, yeah. <laughs> he spent ten thousand years in the Webway. He is now an Eldar. You can't say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's that's very interesting um, point you've made there and I think they will be very very wise to maybe introduce an old character who's been changed by mm. by the ages like yeah. you just mentioned what makes Gilliman so interesting I know some people find him boring I understand that yeah, yeah. What, but what makes him so interesting in the current setting is that he is unchanged yeah. from yeah. how he was yeah. during the Horus Heresy yeah he he remembers what the Imperium was. To him, it's like day and night. You know, he woke up mm. after a nap and everything's changed. <laughs> and, uh, um, but that's, that's what makes him so interesting in the current setting because mm. he is alone. He's a relic of a, of a, of a bygone age. Mm. Nothing to him makes sense. He doesn't recognize anyone. He doesn't trust anyone. Uh, there's elements within his own Imperium trying to maybe usurp him or, or remove mm. him from power. Mm-hmm. There's other elements who, who worship him as a god. Yeah. Um, and he is, he really is like, uh, he's like lost in the wood. And that's what makes him so interesting because he is the, he is the greatest tactical mind possibly alive today in the Imperium. Mm-hmm. But he is, he is a man out of time. Yeah. Now yeah. the other Primarchs, um, somebody who's maybe lived this whole time. For example, you mentioned Jagatai Khan. We don't mm. know what he's been doing. We don't no. know if he's dead or alive. But if he should return to the setting, unless he's been in stasis, he must be greatly changed from mm. how he used to be yeah, thousand years ago. He might. Uh, he may have turned his back on humanity. 
he may have made alliances with parties that we would find nefarious. Mm. We don't know. Uh, and that will be very, very interesting to see how it could uh, progress. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And I think they, I think they have to do something like that because like you said earlier, Dan, that the, the fact that if they just did a, you know, Horus Heresy 2 or something on those lines, it would annoy a lot of people. People are like, oh, here we go again. It's not what we need. You need something a bit left field, something a bit out there. And I think, like I said, bringing the Primarchs back would do that. But like I said, they don't have to stick to the the old ways. Like I said, it, it's a fair point with Gilliman that, he, like I said, he is a relic of the old age. And it's uh, it's amazing, especially anyone that's read Dark Imperium, the fact you see him in that situation where, like I said, he's trying to catch up from 10,000 years. And the fact he's trying... The hardest thing, I think, for him as well is he's trying to deal with the, the new environment as well as he's trying to deal with new enemies but old enemies but then he's also trying to deal with the politics that come with it the fact that like you said he's dealing with people that are trying to you know potentially get rid of him some uh, treat him as a god he's in such a conflicted situation even though ultimately the one redeeming thing or one thing that's driving him forward is the fact is you know to save humanity from and you know get things back how they should be the one thing i have noticed with Gellerman, because he, he, you're right, he, ha- he hasn't changed. But I think the only thing that has slightly changed with him is that because towards the end, before he you know got uh, mortally wounded uh, by Fulgrim, he was starting to be of a, a type that he would lose his temper. You know, he's quick to anger more because I think he was just getting so <laughs> tired of the situation. Whereas now he's a bit, he's gone back to almost his original self, where he's a bit more, bit more thoughtful, a bit more patient, a bit more focused. Because I think he realises he has to be like that now um, to get the Imperium, you know, ship shape basically to to mm. deal with all the threats they're having to deal with. Um, but no, I think as well that if if they did start bringing back these other Primarchs, which I think they will, you know, I think yeah. like you said, we're in a situation where we've already got more Mortarian and and Magnus. I I can see. Well, I I know Fulgrim will. Will return at some mm. point. I can't see that not happening. Um, and then obviously uh, Angron as well. So you've got the four main ones. Um, so you know. So if we had to think now, what if we was like I said, if we did a four on four? So we've already got Gilliman, mm. and let's say, let's say Lionel Johnson, because like yeah. I said, I think he's someone that's uh, definitely going to come back. I think they, you know. But so who would we pick as the potential other two? Uh, I would. I would definitely say Russ because mm-hmm. it's Russ. Um, everyone wants him back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, he would sell so many models. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's true. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, he, he just wandered off one day, effectively. Like, mm-hmm. um, Also, I think it's one of the more recent little... It's a, it's a smaller novel, but it's a Space Wolf one, which mi- might have actually been Russ telling um, a Space Wolf about his duel with Lionel Johnson. And I'm not sure if that's set before or after he went away. I think it might actually be after, like he popped back to say, "Hey, by the way, how you doing, guys?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> or some implication of that. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say Russ. He would be really cool. They could do all kinds of interesting things with him. Um, if you want someone changed, the curse of the Wolfen could have somehow affected him. He could be an interesting uh, sort of change for him that way come back more bestial very different to how he was well e- even more bestial i guess uh very different to how he was before <laughs> um there's a lot of space to play there effectively for games workshop in sort of true 
bringing back an old character but making something new and interesting at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, th- I mean, it depends if if they literally make it the the four, you know, going back in the day, the four main uh, loyalist chapters and the four uh, traitor ones. So obviously, mm. that would potentially mean Sanguinius would be the the potential fourth one. Which <laughs> how are they going to explain that? Nah, he's dead. He's staying dead. <laughs> yeah, I can't see that happening. So you know, apart from again, like I said, we could bring they could bring back Khan. Um, anyone else that we think that they may bring um, back? Rogel Dawn. It'd be interesting to mm. see Rogel Dawn come back with one hand because, like, I, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, but like, <laughs> he, so guys, there's, a, there's something funny I have to tell you. Yeah, go for so, it. Go um, for it. As, yeah, go for as it. you know, I I'm a I'm a frequent uh, poster on the, the Bolter and Chainsword uh, forum. Yeah, mm. and uh, I think I think that's a, I think that's a great forum just to uh, talk to people about Warhammer. Yeah, yeah. So some time ago, before the Gathering Storm. I happened to be shown an image of uh, Gilliman from the cover of Gathering Storm. Uh, it was it was cut off at the legs, so I couldn't see the blue. Yeah, and there was no there was no um, name. Uh, yeah, know, there was no name attached to it. It looked like Rogel Dawn. Yeah, yeah, a Primarch in golden armor. Mm. So I rushed onto the forum and I said to everyone, "Guys, guys, you're not going to believe this. Rogel Dawn is coming back." And all the um, <laughs> all the Imperial Fist fans were like, kind of wept up in a frenzy. <laughs> Of excitement and anticipation, <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> and then, like one week later, oh, the images no. drop, and it's Gilliman. Oh no! <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm still not forgiven. A year later, I'm no. still hated. So no, I'm, sure. I'm hoping the Rogel Dawn will actually appear, just so that parts of the internet forgive me for my indiscretion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's like he had the most inconsequential death of any Primarch that is a, mm. that is by all re- records dead because he just got ambushed in a corridor by like 10, 10 Chaos Marines and that was it for him apparently. Now like mm. come on he's not dead. He's fine. He's missing nah. a hand but he's fine. He'll, he's out there somewhere. It has to be reckoned because that's a very very bad way to get rid of him. And oh yes. Yeah. It, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because uh, you, you would assume that the Chaos champions who killed him would be bragging oh, yeah. carrying his skull as a trophy, but there's absolutely no mention of him anywhere. No. Mm. Just, a, just a hand that was left. I'm inclined to believe he even faked his own death. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, I can believe uh, that. For some secret yeah. mission. Uh, that would be a better story. So mm. that's unresolved. Uh, very unsatisfying. And I'm hoping that we get something back um, yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it, it would create, like you said, it would create some really interesting dynamics. Okay, so let, let's say that's the four it's going to be. So it's going to be Gilliman, Johnson, Russ, and Dawn. So you've got a situation where obviously Gilliman's already knee deep and uh, dealing with the situation. Say, say potentially Johnson's next. So he, they've, uh, <laughs> they bring him back from the rock. And so obviously, again, he'll be in a similar situation where he's sort of having to play catch up. Um, but again, you've got a dynamic where like you said, is he going to be in the situation where he, does he want to be in Gilliman's place as um, as a sort of regent of the Imperium? Um, or is he going to sort of say, no, I'm not going to be like that anymore. I'm a changed guy. I've had, I've had plenty of time to sit on it. Um, or, you know, or then and then if Russ comes back, you've got the situation between them two. Will they start, you know, having a go at each other as they've done all mm. throughout the years? Or, like I said, is Russ going to be a changed Primarch as well, like you said, he you know he, is he going to still have his ferocity, or 
you know, like I said, they could have made it, they can make him more bestial or they may sort of rein him in in a way, sort of, mm. you know, he's seen a lot, <laughs> dealt with a lot in all the time in his travels while, you know, seeing untold things. So he could be in a different situation. And then, like I said, you've got Dawn coming back and, but then he could potentially team up with Gilliman because, you know, they got similarities between them in some different mm. ways. Um, yeah, I, I think that could really really interesting and then like i said when you've got the 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 four guys on the other side um i really hope they do bring fulgrim in i I really really want a fulgrim i I think i think that's a given i think um they've built half the model he'll be the next chaos primark i think yeah 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 i think so they've built half the model already with marathi like they're 90 percent of the way there just (laughs) yeah just (laughs) just slap gilliman's torso on marathi's lower half and there you've got fulgrim (laughs) <laughs> now, imagine a box set where you can make either Marathi or Fulgrim. <laughs> Two completely different games as well. Oh, I'd be oh, into it. But no, you're right though. That would that would be amazing if they well, I think like you said, it, it you're right. It's it's not an if, it's a when. I just yeah. he, he's yeah. so he's so well liked. Um they're clearly trying to bring Slanesh back on the you know, the Age of Sigmar side so I can mm. see it um on the forty K side as well, which we'll get into a bit later when we talk about uh, possible new factions but it yeah it's, it's to me like i said it is a given and i think it would just again it would just create more dynamics between them because and also they've hinted at fulgrim anyway haven't they because fulgrim again since he's sort of been not really doing much for quite a few years but then haven't they recently said that he's around like since you know obviously the um the great rift has yeah. he sort of popped his head out a bit? Um, I um, think um, so. What, I think what, there's mention of him somewhere in, uh, yeah. in like a little side passage in a book or something. Yeah, yeah. What I remember it was is um people were trying to summon Angron back, and everyone's like, "Oh, Angron's going to be the next demon Primarch," and then that summoning failed, and then it, there was another little bit. It was like, "Oh, but Fulgrim's running around here doing this and that, you know, rendering this planet down into a single vial of a drug, that kind of thing." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think he's almost definitely the next one, if only because, like, if we look at it, like, with 40k and Age of Sigma, Chaos releases are somewhat concurrent to a degree. Like, we had Death Guard and Maggotkin of Nurgle sort of yeah. end of last year, start of this year, and things like that. Corn already had a little bit of a go around with Age of Sigma. There was the Corn Bloodbound and then Blades of Corn, like, a couple of years mm-hmm. back, I think it was. Um, they didn't really get anything in 40k, which... Mm, but um, hosts of Slanesh, uh, in terms of Age of Sigma, have been talked about as their own separate faction uh, in the sort of the coming up to second edition news they've been putting out. Um, and, you know, the last two years they've done a Chaos God release sort of December, January. It's one of the two, my bets, honestly, on <laughs> Slanesh, <laughs> if they keep That'll up the That'll be a great release. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> My Christmas yeah. this year would be brilliant if Fulgrim is <laughs> just, <laughs> just, like... just Fulgrim wrapped with a red and white ri- ribbon. Just like, oh, are you ready to unbox your <laughs> present? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be brilliant. I just got this. I just got this because, like I said, my mm. me and my wife are expecting our first baby, which should be end of September. So that'll be yeah. that'll be the first baby, and then Fulgrim will be a second baby <laughs> a few months later. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think um, the only the only thing that worries me a little bit is. Um, I, I love the Solanesh law. I think mm-hmm. it's uh, it's some of the best. And yeah. uh, when you read the Fulgrim book and when you read anything about like Solanesh mm-hmm. uh, in general, it's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. My one concern is that obviously Games Workshop wants to appeal to a wider kind of 
uh, you know, section of people. That's why we're yeah. getting the Warhammer adventure books. Yeah. They want mm. to capture people at a young age. Uh, I was reading one of the Horus Heresy books, and in it, uh, this girl who's like a follower of Slanesh, she literally dissolves her lover's body in a yeah. vat of acid and yeah. uses his um, uses his essence, so to speak, uh, as a paint, you know, to uh, yep. to paint something. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of excessive, over the top, like amazing stuff which we read about in the books. <laughs> and I really hope that they don't water this kind of element down. Yeah, because they could they could go down the yeah. line of. They excessively practice uh, their shooting, so they're very good at aiming, you know. <laughs> and I don't want it to be to be some sort of like generic, watered down version of Slash. Yeah. I would love to see yeah. the full kind of uh, law behind it. Yeah, I, uh, I not just a great swordsman or great, yeah, or great yeah. weapons or anything mm-hmm. like that. I don't think yeah. they will do that because, like, the, the thing like Slanesh is inappropriate because in the previous sort of renditions of Slanesh units, they've mostly focused on the lust aspect and BDSM mm-hmm. demons and things like that. But Slanesh is not the god of lust. Slanesh is the god of excess, excess, obsession, perfection. Like, Slanesh encompasses all of the seven deadly sins. There could be amazing models for, like, there are amazing models for pride. There's the old, um, Slanesh champion, I forget, Sigvold, I think was his name, in Warhammer Fantasy. Oh, yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. He is mm. the perfect, he is a wonderful Slaneshi chaos model because he looks perfect. Because he is prideful and that is his excess of sin. You know, you could do a gluttony and as long as you didn't put weeping sores in it, you wouldn't get confused with Nurgle or greed. Like, I, I want to see, I want to see a chaos space marine lord who rides into battle on a pile of demonic coins or something like that. And that would be, <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool. Like, really be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Just, just go to town on each of the seven deadly sins as aspects of Slanesh worship. And then like, you know, the lust stuff you can keep to Forge World if you really want it. <laughs> to yeah. stay sort of more sanitary but there's, there's just yeah. so much they the can do with is, it the list stuff is very very interesting um, yeah that's that's some of the most interesting aspect of Slanesh I think as well though mm. um and I just think that it's funny that we live in this. Um, <laughs> this is like a this is a critique of society in general. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe more Catholic based societies <laughs> like we have in England, or Australia, or America, where it's absolutely fine to have a model who um, or a character who enjoys killing so much he carries the skulls of his, of his enemies around his belt. Mm-hmm. But you can't have a guy who enjoys um, who enjoys the ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but I think that's I echo what Cameron's saying. I think that's the way they'll do it. I think that if they just tone down the the lush sexual side of Slanesh, which, like I said, I don't think is as big as they make out. I think that if, you know if they sort of tone the the models down so they haven't got you know, suggestive, you know, well, they can be suggestive because, I mean, we've got stuff like uh, witch elves and things like that. Um, but, you know, that True. if they sort of limit that side of it, and like I said, it's more about perfection and just the enjoyment of killing, um, I think they'll be fine. And, I, th- and I, I genuinely think that's the route they'll go with it. I think that they'll... Um, and I, I, I'm hoping when it comes to Slanesh and Empress Children, I'm sort of slightly now going into... Possible new factions. It's a bit of a segue here. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I don't want to go into that. Um, yeah. um, is that more detail? Yeah, we will do that now. Um, yeah. Is that I think with the Emperor's Children that I can see the 
sort of one of the primary units apart from obviously things like noise marines and things like that i would love them to have basically the was it the lair from um from the Fulgrim yeah, novel, you know, the yeah. snake people, yeah, where they, because remember, they, they okay, they've wiped them out, but Fa- Fabius Bile was there playing around with their genetics and obviously trying to splice it into the Emperor's children. There's no reason why they can't recreate, you know, sort of demonic versions of the, of that race, basically. Are the Lair and the Slith the same race? There's a lot um, of indication they might be. They might be. The Lair were more insectoids, like they had the more, they had the more jointed arms and the more insect-like heads, whereas the slith are very serpentine. Uh, there's yes. every possibility they came from the same origins, though. Mm. Like, maybe the slith are the base species and the layer were the corrupted slanesh sort of offshoot, which would be cool as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I just think that I just think that would be an amazing... Because they've got to... You know, they've got to add something to them because ultimately... They can, you know, like I said, they've got noise marines. They've got, they could bring similar to what they've got in the heresy days where they've got the, the Palatine Blades, which is their mm. swordsman squad. So they could, you know, they could have a 40k version of them as well. Um, and then, like I said, have a couple of new uh, HQ units, have Fulgrim, have the Lair, or, you know, a, that or sort of that type of mm. Serpentine unit. And, yeah. you know, Emperor's Children will be back in the game as much as anything, really. Yeah. I think Sorry. so as well. I think um, I think Games Workshop with uh, Death Guard, they brought back um, you know the Death Shroud Terminators, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think they probably want to create a line for each of the gods, a separate yes. model range with yeah. its own book. I think that would be amazing as well, because in the past you've had the Chaos Codex, and in it you can kind of customize a warband to be followers of a god. Mm-hmm. But now with a, with a specific army, with a specific model range, unique rules, stratagems... Mm. I think that's a lot more exciting. And the four Chaos Guards, to me, are a very easy one to do. You've already got the theme. You've got the ideas already set. You've got the yep. stories written. You've got the big boss character, like in, in Stone. Everyone knows mm. who they are. Mm. I think that would be um, I think that would be a you know straightforward kind of thing to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. They've got it there. I mean, and also it, it would it would mean they could they can update some of the older models. You can get a, you know a newer version of Khan, a newer version of um, Lucius, yeah. um, you know, people like that, you know, it just, as well as obviously having Angron and uh, Fulgrim as well. Um, it, it's there. It's, it's easy for them in a way. It's a really easy proposition for them. Um, and I, like I said, you got like what you guys have said, I can see them doing that. I'd be surprised yeah. if they, if they didn't. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So we'll, like I said, when I were on the subject of, uh, possible <laughs> factions or factions that need codexes and, you know, whatever combination, um, you think mm. so? Um, yeah. So Dan, what's you know? Is there any particular ones that you think? Yeah, they could do with being their own army. I would love um, a faction of humans who are not part of the Imperium. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying this is my most desired faction because I love <laughs> more aliens as well. Mm. Um, but um, I, we saw that squat model for Necromunda. Yeah. Yeah. And that was brilliant. I mean, they could bring them back. I think people will be quite happy about mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean there's i mean you've got so many again with the with humans or variants of humans you've got so many possibilities mm. i mean i i was thinking potentially as well you, you could have like a necromunda type hive ganger army as well so the, yeah you know they'd be similar to 
you know, in a way, like a the Gene Steeler Gene Steeler cults, obviously not without the Gene Steeler bit, but <laughs> that sort of thing where you know you've got base gangers as the as the sort of normal troops, uh, so you can have combinations of the different Necromunda gangs, but then you can have it where they've commandeered, you know, uh, Imperial Guard vehicles, for example, you know, and they've yeah, got their own. Yeah sort of you know yeah, sort yeah. of variation you know, again like like gene steer cults with like you know lehman russes and things like that you can have their you know where they've they've done that sort of thing and again you've already got the base sort of thing you know where you could just have combinations of different gangs um yeah you know i don't know yeah. i mean i don't know if there would be a want for it but you know it's a possibility as well there's um, some um there's some really interesting races in the story as well, which yeah. I don't know how they will translate to models, like uh, like the Hrud, for example, yeah. who, mm. who, when they appear, they distort time, yeah. and everyone mm. ages very quickly. Uh, I think that's a very, very interesting race, uh, race which poses like a threat in the current in the current timeline as well. And I would love, I mean, this is me, this is like pure wish listing. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I would love for, may, for maybe for the old ones to come back somehow. Like, wow, yeah. okay. Yeah. They, they left the galaxy and then they've returned from for whatever reason. And mm. it turns out they're the ones who made the Tyranids. <laughs> I, I know, something, <laughs> yeah, something like something that. Something cool and wacky <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. Because uh, some of the old Necron lore that it speaks of the old ones is so interesting. I think that's uh, that's a race I'd like. Uh, in one of the books, one of the recent novels, it mentions uh, Trazine's collection, uh, mm. Trazine the Infinite, the Necron. And in his collection, he has an orc, uh, but it's one of the old orcs, the Crook, I think, mm. from when the old ones were around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he, this orc is like in stasis, and he's wearing armor, which looks more similar to Eldar armor than anything else. Oh, okay. Like mm. slick, elegant armor, some sort of advanced energy weapon in his hand. Wow, uh, that to me is absolutely fascinating as well. Yeah. So, this, yeah. so I think there's scope there to kind of bring back some old alien races to enhance existing ranges, um, and I hope they do. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, for me, I would say like in terms of codexes, we've got space wolves and orcs have been announced, and we know Gene yep. Steeler cults is coming. This is all like information mm-hmm. from today. And we know Sisters of Battle are hopefully 2019, Emperor willing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think what really needs to sort of round things up is, you know, finished with all the Imperium stuff, you need a Codex Imperial Agents, which covers Inquisition, Assassins, and all the other dregs that kind of don't fit into anything else in the yeah, Imperium. Definitely. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you should be able to run assassins without losing command points for taking just one assassin because you don't want to take three assassins to get the full vanguard detachment and stuff like that um the the how that how how you slot them into an army currently is kind of a little bit weird and off um and i think it'd be really great because um my first imperial related codex was way back was the um the old demon hunters codex and that yeah. was great because you mixed Grey Knights, Sisters of Battle, Inquisitors, yeah. Assassins, all of that. And it was a single cohesive force and it felt right. And I think something like that would be really great to sort of bind the last few kind of corners together. You know, get a proper Inquisition book. Let them take Assassin's yeah. <laughs> yeah. part as that or something like that. Yeah, um, oh, I couldn't agree more. Definitely. Yeah. I, I wish they had done that. You know, mm. I wish they had simply released mm. a Codex Inquisition, which had mm. the entire Grey Knight range 
which mm. had the entire Sisters range and the entire Death Watch range yeah, in one cool. like amazing like Space Marine sized codex, you know, like yeah, yeah. pages. And it would have it would have created like a very dynamic army of like unique units. And that mm. could, that could be that could be amazing, but yeah. they decided to split them instead. Yeah, yeah. but it suggests it suggests though that they are going to try and do or potentially do codexes for these others because, like I said, I once upon a time the fact that they I would have never thought they would have had a codex for the custodies. You know, there's mm. now obviously Imperial Knights is on the verge of coming out in the next week or two. Um, yeah. You know, it, so I, the good thing is even though. Like you said, it'd be nice if they had pulled them all together. It suggests that they're happy to do a codex for pretty much any of these sort of factions. Mm. Um, and I think that, sort of going on what I was saying earlier about the uh, Carcaradons, is that I would love a, like a, almost like a second version of the Space Marine one, where it pulls together some of the lesser chapters that have unique mm. stuff to them. I know, obviously, the Codex Space Marines does obviously touch upon some of them, but... To me, they you know have one have one for the Carcaradon. Sorry, one that envelops the Carcaradons. The the Howling Griffins have their own mm. sort of special units. Um, you know, the Flesh Terrors and you know just just Might all those. yeah, like exactly all those sorts all those sort of you know that I don't know I don't say second mm. tier of chapters because yeah. that's sort of a bit yeah. derogatory to them. But you know what I mean those ones that are always out there. The people you see them, you see the miniatures, you see them being spoke about, but they don't have enough love given to them, and they they you know, mm. almost could do with their own sort of specialist unit so it, like it almost needs again similar to what they've done with the uh like the indexes where they were you know they bunched a load together they could they could do like um like a specialist chapter codex for you know yeah, to yeah. just to give meat you know just to flesh out the other ones you know for people because again when i was reading about the the carcaradons you know if you want to use them in eighth edition you, you know there's no real i think the codex suggests like well white scars is probably the best for them you know and that's like well no mm. no you don't want what could be good for them it's like no here are their rules i think the only yeah. rules you've got unique to them is the one for their um chapter master which is type Tiberios, the red yeah, wick. Um, he, the red he, wick. yeah. So he's he's forge world. So his rules are in the Imperial Armor book. Um, but you know, and that's all they've got. They could, whereas you know, they could have their own specialist units, and there's no reason why not. So yeah, I mean, it, it probably won't happen, but it'd be yeah. nice if they did. I think um, <laughs> what I'm hoping for happens is that once they've released all the codexes. Yeah, they can uh, focus maybe on supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe new mm-hmm. campaign books. Yeah, uh, definitely. Forge War have really slowed down, and it's quite disappointing. I mean, I know they're, um, I know they're looking, they're going to be releasing a supplement so it has all the custodies units from Forge War, then all the Sisters of Silence units. Mm-hmm. That's very exciting. Uh, but they used to support um, all the Space Marine chapters. They had their own rules, their own chapter tactics. Yeah, uh, they were fascinating. I'd love for them to come back to that. Uh, Mm, because there's mm. the scope there for more customization and more variety, which is only ever good. But I think, I think the main focus now is just to get all the all the books out. Maybe with not as much model releases as we'd like. Yeah. Uh, although I'm hoping that with Space Wolves being the last of the loyalist uh, Space Marine books to come out, mm. I'm hoping that it does. They do come with Lehman Russ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. It's it's the, yes, it's the right time for that to happen, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's it's no, time to like totally even agreed. up the sides because you got. Two Chaos Primarchs currently, one Loyalist Primarch. Make make it a two for two, especially with the history between Magnus and Russ and the like. The recent burning of Fenris in the fluff, like mm-hmm. it, it's time for it to come back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
I will say one thing I want for the near future is when Codex Orcs comes out, I want a comprehensive looted vehicle rule. I'm almost certain it won't happen, but I just want, <laughs> I just want to say you can take a vehicle from any other force, remove all its keywords, replace them with Orc, Ramshackle, and Looted, and then reduce the BS to 5+, plus, increase the weapon skill to 3+, plus, and you're done. Now it's an Orc yeah. vehicle. That's all I want. It would be brilliant. I would love to see orcs coming in on like Eldar vehicles and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like way back in the day, I orcified a Vindicator for when my little brother was into it and he was doing orcs. Like we looted a Vindicator because you could do that back then. And it was Why awesome. not? Yeah. Yeah. Just strap a bunch of guns to it and with plastic glue and hope for the best. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it would be so good. Yeah. That would be amazing. There's this oh. amazing scope, I think, for the orc range. Uh, mm. I, I've read uh, the Beast Arises books, yep, yep. Mm. and in them you see a different kind of orc uh, mm. from what we have in in the 41st millennium. Uh, they have advanced technology, able to like teleport planets around. They all have plasma weaponry. They have like advanced armor. They mm. they basically the basic orc boy is basically wearing space marine armor or the equivalent yeah. of yeah. Um, and they're led by obviously like the the prime orc. I don't want to coin that term; it's not mine. But I, I would love um, I would love for maybe some some new elite units and mm. maybe like an upgunned Gaskell Fracker who's bigger. Mm. Maybe has well, yeah. the same kind of similar has, aura effects to Gilliman. Has Gilliman's. to be bigger. His model's so yeah. small. He's on like a forty yeah. millimeter base or something. Yes, he needs he needs to be so much bigger. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I, th- I think they will. I think I can. Haven't they hinted that that there's going to be a new Gaskell model as well. I think there's um, been. Well, apparently, of... he went back in time. So, mm. um, yeah, <laughs> he went back in time to before he started all the wars in Armageddon. Yeah, uh, to make them even bigger this time, or something like that. So, nice. I'm not yes. sure. Yeah, um, a lot. A lot of the rumor mill stuff, like those snapshots they put out, have been interpreted as possibly being orky. Like, I think a really recent one was a big mouthful of jagged teeth that yeah. doesn't line up with that new spell from Age of Sigma. So, it's definitely not that. And so mm-hmm. I'm really hoping for cool new orcs with hopefully looted vehicle rules. Um, the orc boy models could probably use an update too because they are tiny uh, and they all have back problems. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll yeah, look see at how that, that goes. Uh, look at that orc faction in Age of Sigma. Uh, mm. The, uh, yeah, the Iron, Iron Jaws. Jaws. Iron Jaws, yeah. yeah. I mean, exactly. th- that is what the orcs could look like. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Exactly. I mean, they, it's, I, it's what they do look like. People keep taking those models and 40 kfing them. <laughs> yeah, because they're damn good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they, they they're incredible. And, yeah. um, and their war bosses are the size of what they should be. Mm. I mean, they, yeah, yeah. Because they don't stop growing, they should be massive. They should be towering over a space. Yeah. In, in the Beast Arises, there's a section in the book where uh, they kind of assault this orc uh, stronghold. And they look down, and there's, they think it's a statue, a big metal statue of an orc. Mm. That's actually an orc. It's one of the yeah, war bosses yeah. who's like towering over the Primarch. He's mm. 24 feet tall. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could happen. I mean, I I suppose that you know I know we're we're coming full circle where we're saying that we're this is probably the best time for the hobby, and and these oh, things yeah. are possible. You know, we're getting codexes we didn't think we would get. We're now getting a better selection of miniatures, well, across the, the two main games. But this mm. is the great thing now. We, the, all these things we're talking about are actually possibilities, not not pipe dreams, which is great. I mean, we spoke about uh, Cameron. I think it was on the last episode where we talked. You mentioned about forty k Skaven, didn't you? Yeah, um, yeah. When we were sort of talking about that sort of thing, <laughs> and why not? I mean, that, yeah. that could be a thing. 
you know, it's actually a good idea. Yeah, and that's actually I mean, a good idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they like, don't need to be. They don't need to look exactly like the skin. No, but that is no, a no, very, no. very cool concept. But um, the fact that in I know we touched upon Age Sigma now, but the, the fact that they they you know they use technology and burrow. Un, you know, through them travel through the realms. There's no reason why they travel so far. They end up in the forty, the forty first millennium. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. not, that's, that's, that's not. A, you know, it sounds well, a bit. Drago's been but, an Age of Sigma, hasn't he? So, or Warhammer Fantasy. So. Pretty sure. Yeah. He pretty sure he showed yeah. up there sometime. <laughs> exactly. But so I think Cameron, you were you were paralleling it with chaos. You know, where you know, obviously mm. the chaos gods, you know, basically one and the same between the two universes. So they, that's not. You know, if the the, the great horned rat could come back, you know, could, yeah, or could yeah. appear in the forty, 40 you know, the, in forty yeah. k. It's yeah. Well, that, that's possible. my thing. It's like it's the best explanation for the current lack of focus on Slanesh in 40k is because mm. Slanesh isn't doing much because he's over in the Age of Sigma universe being chained up because like yeah. Games Workshop has said Age of Sigma and Warhammer 40k not connected at all but they are connected because the warp is like I'm, I'm thinking like multiverse theory where the warp is equivalent to like the Yggdrasil in Norse mythology or something like it's the mm-hmm. big thing that binds all these different universes together and yeah. like yeah, why not have that as the explanation? Like, sorry, there's been no Slanesh releases for two years. The elves had them, and you know you got them back now. And oh, some rats came along. I guess that's a thing now. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, the thing yeah. is, it's no, it's no far. And we, we just don't want, um, we just don't want uh, Sigma to be the lost Primarch or something. No, <laughs> no, no, no. That that's yeah. But if they contained it within that sort of environment, there's no reason why. Because the thing is, even the the clans would would fit quite nicely you know when we were talking mm. about them you know eshin would carry on being they'd just be futuristic assassins as opposed to <laughs> back in the day um you know clan molder with its uh, war beasts you know again they yeah. could just be you know m- you know more futuristic versions you've got um skyra that you know basically technology anyway so they just they and that's how it and that could explain how they've got to being in this uh universe as well it's and, and obviously mm-hmm. pestilence will just be another you know similarity to nurgle and the death guard like they are you know back yeah, in in yeah. age of sigma it's it, it's there to be done it's i'm <laughs> i swear again i suppose it's it's taking a punt on it it's whether really gw sort of think people would like it but you know mm. it's not it's not uh, impossible which is great um right is there any other factions or codexes that we can think of or is that the um, I think it's probably the main ones yeah I, I mean the world leaders codex is going to come eventually either this yep. year or next year and i want it to be a proper world leaders codex i want angron to be in there we know he's going to be in there and then i want every <laughs> single vehicle in that faction to have no guns and have a chainsaw on the front <laughs> yeah. do it do it properly <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I agree. They're, mm-hmm. they're prime candidates to get a codex. They've even got their own like unique super heavy vehicle already. Yeah, um, exactly. And the um, yeah. the Lord of Skulls mm-hmm. and the Kaitan uh, or whatever. It is, so yeah. yeah, I think I think that's an obvious one. Um, I saw some models from from the uh, Rogue Trader game. Uh, mm-hmm. A Rogue mm-hmm. Trader faction is possible, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. some yeah. Be cool. wacky advanced guns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe like human soldiers with like tau weaponry from like. Yeah. Um, Various training. Yeah. I mean, that kind of thing is possible, I guess. Well, yeah, because yeah, there is some uh, humans in with that sort of basically get enveloped in the Tau Empire, don't they? They sort of keep mm. them as 
sort of pet soldiers. So yeah, you know, they, there's no reason why they couldn't be a faction or at least a mini faction. But like you said earlier, there's a good chance these could just be in supplements. Some of them aren't big enough to probably warrant their own codex or anything like that. But there's no reason why they can't just be grouped together and you know and just give a bit of variety. So what yeah. I would really like is to have uh, crew mercenaries in the game yes. that every single mm. army can hire. Mm. Because that's how they operate. Uh, we they're mentioned in uh, I think one of the Ravenna books. Um, but you can you can literally go to some place and hire like an escort of crew mercenaries to actually help you out. Mm-hmm. So it would be very very cool to have maybe maybe an elite uh, Imperium army. Yeah, and then on the front line is just like a, a lines of crew just to be shot up. You know, to <laughs> to protect the humans. Yeah, I think it would yeah. be quite uh, it would be quite interesting. Yeah, that'd be cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah, possibilities are there. Mm. Um, right, okay. Um, I think we can we'll think about it, starting to wrap this up. Um, is there anything else any, either of you want to talk about 40k related? Any Anything else at all? Uh, just uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, role-playing game Wrath and Glory. Oh, yes, yes. of course. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Well, as of this recording, it went up yesterday for pre-order. Um, mm. I went to try and pre-order mine, but the website had crashed because too many people <laughs> had tried to to do it. Uh, it's back up and running now. So uh, yeah, there's, so there's basically there's basically two. From what we've seen, there's two versions. There's a hundred dollar version, which is basically the base book with a couple of dice and a supplement, and then you've got the all singing, all dancing one, which is about two hundred and sixty nine, I believe, dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's all. All you know, all singing, all dancing. Um, even on the base version, the the hundred dollar one, I think you, from what I've seen, you can um, upgrade the the book itself in the sense you can have just the normal hardback at hundred dollars, and yeah. I think hundred thirty you can have like the the nicer version and the hundred sixty it's the leather bound version, for example. So you can yeah, you can go yeah. all out. Um, looking at the dates, it suggests that it's going to be out uh, last day of July. Because that seems to be the it's either thirtieth or thirty first. That that's when it's going to start shipping, um, and you do also get the PDF versions as well for as mm. well for free. You know, as part yeah, of the yeah. either package, which is really good, and they'll set they send them out as soon as you get them. So now, Wrath and Glory is looking to be awesome. Um, it's the I'm thing really... I'm most looking forward to of anything forty k related. Yeah. At the moment. yeah. Uh, I'm hungry for a new kind of role-playing game, one that's going to be like elegant and slick, one that has a very, very kind of free narrative scope, and uh, I just can't wait. Yeah, I think we we can. We've well, we've already said that we're gonna we're gonna. Well, actually, this is no, this is something because we we me and Cameron said we're gonna play it over the internet, aren't we? At some point when <laughs> yeah, we get some into episode. So Dan, you're you're more than welcome to join us if you would like to <laughs> get involved in a uh, online session with us. Yeah, that's definitely. What we're I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> you know, we're awesome. just we're gonna trial it anyway, see if it works. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to design some infuriating character that uh, <laughs> has more of a hindrance than a benefit to the party. <laughs> uh, why not? <laughs> uh. No, it's but again, it's it's brilliant that they bring. I mean. Think how much they're bringing back in the 40k universe, not just the base stuff, but the fact that you know we've had, like you said, we've had things like Death Watch and Dark Heresy back in the day. So they've they're doing a brand, new, you know, a newer version of the the RPG element, and you know now they're bringing back things like Adeptus Titanicus and and things like that. You know, everything is just coming back. You know, because why not? You know, like we I know we're repeating ourselves, but 
you know this the hobby and especially 40k at the moment is at its height or has been at its height for you know for yeah. compared to previous years and they're thinking why not let's just let's let's <laughs> give it all out because and for people like us that are talking about it and love what you know love warmer and 40k you know we can just lap it up and that's what we're doing mm. um just shame yeah. it costs so much <laughs> but you're, you're totally right the hobby is now it's the highest it's ever been mm. and um one of my friends advised me. Who, one of my friends has stocks in uh, Games Workshop. Oh, okay. He advised me about a year ago to invest, but I was uh, putting money aside <laughs> for a house. And I feel that if I had invested that money into Games Workshop stock, I could have paid the house off by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, the beauty of hindsight. But uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, no, it's it's a great time to be in the hobby and. You know, and I, I just, I can mm. see it keep rolling. I know that Forge World is getting a bit of stick, obviously, with you know a lot of the things that are going over there, with some of the things they're getting rid of. But again, look, look at it as a positive. They're just, they're obviously, streamlining stuff over there. You know, it's not, go- it's not going anywhere. They're just, they're just realigning themselves. And you know, and and they also got to remember that Games Workshop is bigger you know than it, it was previously so that takes time and the, how quickly they're throwing stuff out you know the, all these codexes are coming out all these new miniatures you know go to age of sigma all these new you know the deepkin are out the the uh daughters of Kane are out uh, you know the, the the rate is astronomical we you know it's almost where you can't keep up with it at the moment and which can be considered a bad thing but i'd rather have too much than it being barren <laughs> at the end yeah, of the day yeah well, we've we've been spoiled now. I think yeah. if we if we go if we go a couple of weeks without a codex, we start to complain now. I think that's that's what's wrong with Forge World as well. They're not really much slower than they used to be, but Games Workshop is just generally so much quicker, faster, than yeah, it, than it yeah. was. Mm. So it's so it's the you know it's a point of view is how, it's how you look at it now. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, the beauty of it as well is that, like, for example, obviously, as again, as of this recording, the pre-orders for Imperial Knights Codex is up, and I'm probably going to buy it. I may, I may have a Knights army. I may never have one. I just want, but I, it, the codexes, for example, are just so good at, from a law perspective and and just get, absorbing the background. I'm, I'm probably just going to buy it because why not? It's mm. just something to have in the collection, and that's and that to me is is the, again showing the strength of uh, of the hobby and the the universe at the moment in this respect it's there's just so much good stuff and even you know stuff that you may not you know be interested or as interested in as compared to others i you know it's still still great to look into so no keep it up mm. games workshop just yeah you know not our bank balances that are, <laughs> the ones that are suffering from <laughs> it <laughs> but hey you know uh. it's just pick and choose but um cool okay um I think like I said we'll uh, we've had a good chat. We'll uh, we'll wrap that up now. It's been very enjoyable. Um mm. so I'll like I say I'll do the admin and uh, we'll then wrap it up. So um <laughs> yep, uh, as always like I said if you ever want to uh, check us out online, um it's realmrune.com. Um if you ever want to uh, suggest anything like for example this is like I said our first of our spin-off episodes that we're going to do. Um if there's anything else you want us to talk about in the future, feel free to contact us. Uh like Dan, if you ever felt you wanted to come on the show and just have a chat with us like this, feel free to contact us. Um no, you can also you. check um yeah so I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll gush <laughs> over you in a minute Dan. <laughs> so, <laughs> for joining us on the show. And uh 
uh, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, Twitter at Realm and Ruin. Uh, Facebook uh, is facebook.com slash Realm and Ruin. Um, and also the our Discord server, which is continuing yes. to get bigger and getting really good. Um, then the link will be in the show notes as well. Um, so, yeah, so Dan, yeah, thank you very, very much for coming on the show. It's been actually, it's been great having you on. Um, it's It's been just great to have another perspective from just us two as well. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks so, for having me, actually. It was, uh, it was great. No, it's it's really good. And like I said, it, you're more than welcome to, if you ever wanted to come back on the show later in the time, I said, you're always welcome to. Um, it's been really great having you. And I, like I said, I hope people listening have really enjoyed it as well, and as well as it has been to record it. Um, yeah. So no, thank you very much. So if, and also Dan, if anyone wanted to speak, you know, where do you, like you obviously mentioned Bolter and uh, Chainsaw, where do you frequent, you know, if anyone wanted to talk to you? Uh, you can find me, uh, I frequent most uh, Facebook groups uh, relating to Warhammer 40k. You can find me in like the Long the long One Network. You can find me on the Bolter and Chainsaw forums. Um, uh, I sometimes write articles for Frontline Gaming. Oh, okay. Uh, the most recent one I wrote was titled... Uh, uh, the big FAQ didn't go far enough oh. <laughs> uh, in, relating to, in relations to the state of the game. So uh, you can find me on there as well. But uh, if you do, you could just say hi to me on Facebook or something, and uh, I'm sure I'll respond at some point. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's really good. Thank, thank you very much for joining us, Dan. It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, and Cameron, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter uh, at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, like I said, come and chat. Uh, I usually post random nonsense, uh, but I will occasionally <laughs> post model-related stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. And you can find me also on Twitter at NinjaBadger7, the number seven. Uh, so feel free to talk. Um, and yeah, this has been the the first ever Realm and Ruin spin-off. Sorry to, uh, sorry to drop in. Oh. I'm also on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, go for it. Uh, you can find me at Dan Smirnoff, like the vodka. <laughs> oh, there you go. Nice. Excellent. So um, I'll put that in the show notes as well. So uh, <laughs> just be a load of, load of uh, Twitter handles for us all. Um, so yeah, so that's, like I said, been the uh, the first Realm and Room spin-off. There's hopefully going to be more to come of this. We've got a few other ones planned. Won't say anything too much at this point. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next show. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>